Now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 55 of the Cooldown Time podcast. I am your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-op co-host extraordinaire, Pablo, to help me talk about gaming's best and bootiest. Pablo, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Yeah, tough week. Tough week tough for... Week. What happened? What happened? Just in general, tough week. Everything happening with the Rob Elementary School shooting that's uh, devastating. Being a parent for the first time and and seeing one of those for the first time, which that's what sucks. It's like it's not the first time. It hits so different. So, uh, so but you know, obviously go into let's keep this about video games here a little bit because it won't just it'll just be a terribly sad show. Uh, I've been in a video game funk, dude. Just like a huge video game funk where I'm going. I think I've downloaded every game on Game Pass. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm I'm just going through stuff. I'm like I, everything I play bores me to death. The only thing that's kind of like that that's been really like hitting is Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, which I'm playing some DLC, and then the games that uh, I'm playing that I'll talk about today. Uh, but man, yeah, I bought a chair as well, and it came as a teen size. I didn't know that they made chairs for teens. In, you in gotta terms specify of that it's a gaming chair. Like you could be talking about like a dining room chair right now, and people would be like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, it's a gaming chair. It's like a chair that you know. It, it's like a, it's a chair that's for the office and also yeah, gaming, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. Anyway, hurts my thighs, my meaty thighs. All right, you didn't have to say they were meaty thighs. That's 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 nasty. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. It's been kind of a heavy week, dude. The headlines are not the the greatest right now in 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 America. <laughs> So mm. it's uh, I was in a funk for that reason myself, too, man, just kind of hitting home with, you know, kids and, and just being a dad myself and putting myself in those family shoes. I'm like, oh, my God. Jeez. So I was having a hard time uh, talking to people for <laughs> a day or two there, yeah. um, let alone playing games. But um, I came around and, and, you know, like like you said, well, we'll keep the show light, you know, give people a, a pleasant distraction from all the chaos that's ensuing in the world right now but uh yeah i didn't buy any chairs i didn't do anything crazy like that i just um i just been kind of working um working and twerking man just you know up and down the pole um making greasy oily glittery dollars every night do what you love you know absolutely um your hobby your job you know what else i did i canceled xbox game pass subscription and then i also (laughs) tweeted that i did that just for clout that's what i did and then because that's the thing to do right mad and then you get mad that people were uh, responded to your to your tweet in a very public domain. It's yeah, like, I got this very is the private upset. message that I wrote. I got very upset for everybody I, to I, see. I complained that I just wanted to have discourse, um, and, and people you know ratioed me, and it was not nice. But no, yeah, that's all. That's all sarcasm. The only obviously. course I want to have is inter. Okay, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I just got dry mouth all of a sudden. That's that's great. It's great for recording a podcast, but we're gonna try to get this podcast on track. Pablo's not making it easy, but in this episode, we will be covering our top three games of 2022 so far, Microsoft wanting no parts of Marvel, we'll talk about that, and a lot more, so shout out to our new and returning listeners for checking out this week's show. If you like us, if you think we're cool, give our podcast a sub. We drop new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Other popular streaming apps you might like, we're there where you need us and when you need us. So what's the problem? You can also follow us on IG at Cooldown Time Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cooldown Time Pod if you like social media, if you like some, uh, some, some fanboy tweets every now and again, and if you want to stay connected with your boys most of all. We got you. All right, so Pablo, lots to get into. Great episode in store for everybody, so let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in to loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, man. So, uh, you know, as we said last week, it's been kind of dry out here in these streets, man. It's been just not a lot of games to play. Uh, you're, you're still struggling finding something to play, but we did we did get a new release that we dropped did. on Game Pass. Sniper Elite 5 has dropped, Pablo, and um, this is a, it's a really fascinating time for this game to come out because of how dry it is right now. I think this is probably yeah. the most attention that <laughs> Sniper Elite's probably ever had. Um, probably. And I, probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised, and obviously we'll talk about how we feel about the game, but I, you know, just kind of as an opener, I feel like this is one of those times where it can be tricky to... Uh, trust reviews and such because there is such a thing yeah. as I said last year of drought clout where because it's so dry when you get that first thing it's like oh this is actually all yeah. right and then all of a sudden scores are a little bit higher than maybe the game deserves to be but but, but there is an added element to this with the whole discourse about you know game pass being not great mm-hmm. uh, and then a triple a game dropping on game pass I've seen a lot of people you know, really talk up this game. Those who are, you know, Xbox uh, centric folks really talk up this game in a way that yeah. seems a little bit dis- disingenuous uh, in terms of like, oh, an incredible experience. Like, I love <laughs> Sniper Elite. Like, I love the Sniper Elite uh, franchise. I-, I love it to death. Uh, but I-, I know what it is. It's like summer blockbuster popcorn, mm-hmm. you know, shut your brain off kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so it is kind of difficult to really get come into grips with what this game really is and how good it actually is yeah yeah i I feel like we are going to be um on on opposite ends of the spectrum here with our takes on what we've played so far at least of the game um but i want to kick it to you first um since you have uh more experience with sniper elite than i do Mm -hmm. as a franchise you you can you're a bit armed with more background than i probably am um so i want to start with you Tell me what you think about the uh, the first few hours of time you've had with the game, and um, how it's kind of sitting with you so far. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, like I mentioned, I, I'm a fan of the of the, of the franchise, uh, and I feel like Sniper Elite Five is probably the best of franchise has ever been. Um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Comes to mind, but you know, th- in terms of them and and and, and the, the team behind this, they've kind of taken all the lessons from. Uh, two, three, and four, and really have made, like, the, like, the total package when it comes to, to Sniper Elite 5. Um, I think, uh, graphically, the game is actually pretty nice. I, I think it, uh, it's a pretty decent step forward comparing, comparing it to, kind of, Sniper Elite 4. Uh, things like the slow motion sniper camera, x-ray damage, all that shit is, is, for me, never gets old. I, I actually up the, the, uh, the frequency in that, and when that shit happens, and it is glorious. Um, Level de- level design is something uh, that Sniper Elite franchise have have gotten better with each sequel. Each sequel, the 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 whole level design gets better, and this is for me from uh, for my money just the best that's ever it's ever been as well. Um, but you know, um, you know, when it comes to like uh, 
when it comes to, to the game itself as a whole, I am I am having one hell of a time with it. I I do I was a little worried about it uh, being more action centric, uh, having a lot more moments in which it kind of requires you to get into these little tight spaces and and, and kind of get uh, engaged in more close quarter combat than you've ever had to before, at least so far in the game. And it's really working to 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 kind of. Uh, mix the game up a little bit because it does tend to get stale uh after a, a long while you're kind of sitting back and sniping people um the fact that it, it changed it up a little bit like this i feel i feel that it works to its advantage really well uh and it's just for me it feels kind of like um hitman without the elaborate yeah uh, it's got some mgs5 in there too by the way that's right yeah it has a lot of that where it, where it doesn't have the hitman so it doesn't have the elaborate uh, kind of moments where you can shoot. I mean, it does have those, but it's like there, there's specific moments in Hitman that you can actually do. Like, uh, there's none of that here. Mm-hmm. Everything is kind of done uh, organically, uh, and it doesn't obviously doesn't have the 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 polish uh, in terms of movement like Metal Gear Solid Five uh, at all. But you know, it, it has very similar things to those things. Um, you know, the amount of difficulty options is really cool. Seeing games really take like uh, accessibility. And really do a lot with it. I think that kind of shit is is long overdue in any game, any triple game, any game with kind of any money behind it who's unable to do any kind of accessibilities. That's bullshit. I think they need to get with the program. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that that kind of don't really work for me, and I mentioned it already, like if it ain't fixed, don't broke. The formula is a formula, and while I enjoy the games very much, I I can't shake the feeling of kind of staleness already within the franchise itself. I think that uh, I want to stop you for you one do- second here. I want I want to yeah. acknowledge your dyslexia for just a second because you definitely said if it ain't fixed, don't broke. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Did I- <laughs> If it ain't fixed, I was thinking broke, about, am I going to let this rock? Am I just going to, no, I got I to gotta call it out. I got I to gotta be douchey. No, go ahead, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it's for me, uh, it just, a lot of things improved, but a lot of things, like the more things change, the more they stay the same kind of thing. And of I feel like um, that's one of the things with this franchise where I think Sniper Elite 5 sh- should be the last game for a long while, um, you know, just because it's so familiar. It feels so familiar. When did um, the uh, last game come out? Wasn't that like 2017? Yeah, like four or five so years they, they ago. They seem yeah. to take a and, lot of time and, in between, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and on, and I think that all goes in level design because you know it, it, the levels are massive. They 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 start to get really big and really crazy, mm. and I think that's where all the dev time went to it. Because the moment to moment gameplay and all that stuff pretty much feels the same. You know, they, they had a structure in which they, they worked within that structure. Uh, they colored within those lines, and they've expanded th- that a little bit. Um, the story is bad. Uh, it's always been bad, no, but that's no excuse. That. Don't worry. Yeah, it's not an, <laughs> it's not an excuse because it's like, not to be like armchair developer, but like if I'm improving the quality of the game and I want the game to stand out, why not just kind of focus on the story and, 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 mm-hmm. and do something here with the story that, that stands out from previous uh, games, you know, uh, uh, all, all the other games are like set in a specific area. One is Africa, this one is France, and it's like, oh, meet the rebel safe house, and, and it just it, a lot of stuff is just all in game, but there's not a lot of context to what you exactly uh, you're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately for me, I'm having one hell of a time. I think this is one of my favorite games, um, and recency bias is probably is probably here too. But I, I think it, it, when I look at all the other games that I played this year. Uh, I'm really having a really good time with this, and I can see myself playing this game for many, many, many hours, which I have put a few hours yeah. into it already. 
Yeah, you know, this is, you uh, this is an interesting one for me because I came into this um, with very limited uh, experience with Sniper Elite as a series. Uh, I dabbled in 4 for all of about 20 minutes um, a while back. And I think I got around to playing V2 back in the day at some point. Um, for Xbox, I'm pretty right? sure, yeah. So very limited here. Um, but the, in a way that was kind of helpful because it made my playthrough of this be more than just about what I think of this particular game, but almost like a case study of Sniper Elite because I find the series very fascinating uh, as a double-A kind of game. Because... When I play Sniper Elite 5, I know exactly why there are five of these games when I play this game. But I also know why Sniper Elite as a franchise has never really broken through to the big mainstream spotlight either. Um, I think in that sense, Sniper Elite 5 is kind of the perfect encapsulation of everything that is kind of right and wrong about Sniper Elite as a series. And I do want to start with the story. Um, my God. Um, <laughs> this, uh, it, it's, it's very seldom that I say this. Um, but I really feel like this has got to be one of the most bland stories that I've ever seen in a game. And I don't mean bland as in necessarily bad. I mean, it is bad, but it's not just pure bad. It is just so rudimentary and uninterested in telling you a story almost at all that the cutscenes and, and dialogue that it does have feels so empty that it's like, just don't even tell me a story then. Don't even bother. Yeah, that's um, how I feel too. And it really says a lot to me about Sniper Elite as a franchise because I think this is partially why this this IP never really has taken hold with mainstream audiences because it is telling this rice cake bland Nazi story of a guy that's just sniping Nazis in this country one game and that country the next. And there is really next to nothing um, from what I can see underneath all of that that um, anchors the game narratively and makes what you're doing and why you're doing it interesting. So I think that puts a lot of onus on the gameplay to compensate, right? And I think this is where a lot of Sniper Elite fans would say, well, this is where the game shines because it's such a niche game that is excelling at the, the you know a thing that every shooter does, but no one does as well as this game does, which is the sniping. Right. Yeah. It is in depth. It is extremely in depth. Um, some of the, the data and numbers that are available to you in this game, if you really wanted to go into the trenches of like yeah. numbers and, and statistics, this game has it in droves in ways that are like astonishing. And I don't have enough background context to know how much more is in this game compared to past games. Um, I'm sure that it's been there, probably just not to yeah. this level. Right. I think that's yeah, safe to say. I feel I think I feel like this one in terms of like there's a there seems to be a little bit more of a focus on your loadout, even though that's not true that every game yeah. has different loadout. But the, in terms of statistically, I think that this game has a little more than, than, than the previous versions for sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look, is the sniping good in this game? It's very good. 
There's there's no there's no question about that. There wouldn't be five of these games if the sniping sucked, right? That would just be complete baffling yeah, reason rebe- to have rebellion, five games. Um, rebellion uh, rebellion has that that gameplay down path, absolutely that portion of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I will say this, and this is where the game really lost me is is in kind of the ebb and flow of the gameplay, being in an open space, open map, and Basically being able to almost, to your point, hitman this this game in a sense of approaching it how you want, from whatever angle you want, whatever style you want. Um, that is very, very cool on, pa- you know, on paper. But this is one of those open world games that make me feel like I am constantly playing the game wrong. Um, it is a very challenging game, I would say. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to play it a specific way, it, yeah, it, yeah. Even just the sniping is is difficult to do and justify doing because there are so many clusters of enemies around you that unless you have a silencer, which doesn't guarantee that it's gonna you know mute the sound of your of your of your gunfire, um, you are probably going to have people on you. Pretty much constantly. It's very hard to get through this game without alerting anybody, uh, at least for me. And I'm pretty good at stealth games. I'm pretty good at kind of the slow, tactical, methodical approach. I just think that this game doesn't do the best job of letting you breathe enough. Um, the openness makes you feel that way, but the way that they position enemies around the map is in a fashion where you are most likely going to be seen or ju- almost seen. And, and so you're, you, you really never feel like I've been busted constantly in this game um, within minutes of sniping one person. Here comes seven people that are like paroling the area then. And, 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 and I just feel like the game is almost too punishing in that way. And yeah. I think there are people who are going to love that, who are going to love the difficulty curve of really, really having to go slow and steady. But I so think one of, it just one of the things, I think it just kills the pace for me and it makes me yeah. feel like I'm not being effective despite some of the things that you can do in that in that space uh, to give yourself advantages. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that this game does and it does often and I don't mind it because I kind of it's kind of like the 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 cat and mouse kind of play is you come up to this vehicle where you can sabotage and it makes noises. That way you can shoot your gun without being alerted as right. to your position. Yeah. But sometimes what they do is they set up this car right there and in the like about a couple of hundred yards down, there's this guy with his head peeking out. He's also sniping. Mm. What they don't tell you is if you shoot that guy in the head, there's two other guys underneath him kind of like either scouting or whatever. Yeah. So like the game kind of tries to, to make you like think twice about your shot. At all times, which is kind of like what the whole point of being, I guess, a sniper is. But to your point, I do feel like at times uh, it, it feels a little frustrating because, like, man, I got this man down my sights, but I know if I shoot him, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm not going to be able to keep that ghost. Exactly. You know, that ghost badge so, that I want. So what started happening for me is I was failing and failing as I started falling into analysis paralysis, basically. And I was like. I'm afraid to shoot my gun right now <laughs> because there's yeah. almost always four other people in the area that I couldn't spot because they were around a corner or somewhere else. Um, and then there were bugs. I've been having some issues with bugs. Um, the most annoying one is um, 
it seems like people in vehicles, if I snipe them while they're in the vehicle, they will not, they will die technically, but they still look like they're animating and moving around and talking to whoever's around them for like an additional five or six seconds. And then they just like automatically like jump to being slumped over in the car. Yeah, and so I fired like two or three shots at a dude and then all hell broke loose again. And I had like everybody swarming on me because they knew my position after taking so many shots because I think this guy was an officer. Um, yeah. So things like that have been an annoyance too. And I just find that right now I cannot get into a good rhythm with the game. I think there is quality there, but I think that um, there's a... I don't want to go ahead and call it a full-blown issue because it could just be user skill at this point as well. But I do think that there is some sort of issue with sort of balancing the difficulty. Um, thankfully, they give you a lot of options to play around with to kind of tailor the difficulty how you want it. But I still think there is a fundamental issue in there of not fully understanding how to build a great open world design uh, designed map um, in, in terms of enemy placement. Uh, I think it's a yeah. little too unforgiving, even if you know what you're doing and played this game a lot. I think failing is is almost too much part of the experience uh, to my liking. So. so I think that your issue is mostly having to do with kind of like uh, the, your newness to, to the franchise itself. Because I everything you're saying, I agree. I think that th- this game has been plagued by that issue for many, many, many uh, sequels. So uh, me going into the game the first thing I do is not shoot, right? I mean, like, it's, it's weird because mm-hmm. you have the sniper rifle. In any other shooter game, if you have a sniper rifle, that means you have carte, carte blanche to kind of kill people from far away without much consequence. So not in this game. You know, mm-hmm. even with, with with silencers, if you have a high-powered gun with a silencer and you shoot somebody that's next to somebody, even though they're not looking, they're going to hear that because that's kind of like, there's like a realistic, quote-unquote, aspect to it, which, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I, I don't, I, again, I am not a huge fan of that either. Uh, I kind of want... To I want it to be a little more arcadey, but I, I yeah I, yeah I've already kind of resigned myself to what this game is, but I don't think that your criticisms are invalid in any way, shape, or form. And I don't and I don't and anybody here in this is like, oh, Marco needs to get good. I'm like I I, I I think that the game doesn't do a very good job of telling you specifically how to play it, yeah. and it it asks a lot from the player itself in terms of how to do it successfully because you're a sniper. Automatically, it, 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 there's a lot of of, of the game it has a focus on uh, sneaking around, on stealth, and you're a sniper. Automatically, you, you already know in your head, all right, my, my mission here is to not get caught, not to alert anybody. Mm-hmm. And if the first shot you take in the level is you're learning like seven guards, it it, 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 it can get a little frustrating. Literally the first level, sure. it, like it, like when that when the car drives up, like as soon as you, yeah. you like the, the the very first level and the car drives up, I that's the guy I, I shot in the car. And I know we had people near him. Um, so, you know, I, I did that once. I was like, okay, maybe that was a little too, yeah. you know, out of the, out of the gate. I shouldn't have did that. But, you know, so I tried other things, but no matter what I tried to do, it was like, there was no escaping having the hounds so, sort of unleashed on me. So I think that's where the frustration you, kicks in. Let me give you a hint, kind of like a pointer that you're probably not going to like, and I wouldn't blame you is don't kill anybody at first. Because that car that you see in the beginning has the long, they all have these long, long patrol cycles. They're so, it's ridiculous. So I just wait for him to drive off. Once he drives off, there's two guys left and I, and I silently go, but that took me like 15 minutes for all that to happen. You know, like I'm literally like, I'm playing this game. Like if I'm in the trenches, cause I'm laying in grass for a while watching, but listen, I don't, that's, I, 
I, I don't even think that's a you're an impatient thing. I just think that that's that's you're again asking a lot from a player yeah. to do these things, and then they give you a gun. It's the first level, and then you got three people here, a guy in a car. Like it automatically, like, all right, I'm gonna kill these people because that's what I have to do. Exactly. But, yeah. Right. And yeah, so no, I, th- that totally makes me right. feel better because the last thing I was gonna say before I you know I finish my 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 soliloquy is yeah. I do think this game has a bit of an identity crisis. Because when you title your game Sniper Elite 5 and yeah. your gameplay is not necessarily encouraging me to uh, be an elite I, sniper. I, I guess snipe, <laughs> snipe first, ask questions later, right? Yeah. Right. I feel like that is a bit of a problem. Now, hey, I'm not knocking the game for having variety or having yeah. more depth than just go prone, shoot somebody in the head, enjoy the kill cam, and move on. Like, I'm glad that it has more subtlety. But I think the game doesn't really do a great job of telling you, like, your priority. Um, it, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. It, it can work for the advantage of the player because it's open-ended enough and you can make your own way through the, the, the level. But I also think that, again, if I'm, if I'm coming into this fresh and it's a game on Game Pass from a series I've never played before or right. very little, I, my brain is telling me, snipe. And if I do yeah. that in this game, I am going to be punished for it more than I'm going to be rewarded, and that's weird to me. So yeah, and and it comes from a developer who's only who, who only they only make sniper elite games, but they did do that zombie yeah. army for Dead yeah. War, which I like, which one. is it's fun. It's a pulpy. It's 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 action heavy. Yeah. Like I would like to see an amalgamation of these two things into one. Uh, but you know, ultimately for me. As being a fan, listen, I, I played Sniper Elite One on Xbox online with like three people mm-hmm. for months. Three, I'm talking about the three <laughs> of the same people, same gamer tags. I'm like, oh yeah, I know who these people are. The only people who are playing that oh, game. Uh, so I, I, I'm into this, into this, but I, I definitely understand. It's one of these. I think it's one of these franchises that a lot of people are gonna get into because it is on Game Pass, it is dry, yeah. and are gonna be like you, immediately turned off by the fact that why can't I just call of duty this and that's not exactly what you're saying but like mm-hmm. you know they'll, they'll think like why can't i just go in there and shoot everybody yeah so i, I do I, I do agree i think if you're gonna have a game year after year or not year after year but entry after entry there has to be a point of entry you have to at the very least if you're not going to try to with cyber League five you're not going to try to kind of um make it easier or make it a little more accessible at least explain yourself a little better which is something that they're not really doing and for crying well. out loud get out of the nazi uh era please oh, i think you're done now. we're do good that. we're good there yeah don't need it um yeah so you got I, I, you got yeah, uh, one more game I, to play or that you've been playing that you want to talk about real yeah quick? i'll go quick yeah i'll talk quickly about it i mean you know with um uh with play tale requiem coming out uh i don't know if it's when it's coming it's out July, but um, if i'm not mistaken or june i don't know soon though very soon yeah it's soon, so um, it, you know, it's a game that I I've played on PlayStation when it came out because it was like a time exclusive for PlayStation for a while. I played it the year it came out, and you know, I really enjoyed a lot of it. But ultimately, for me, I I just it didn't really hit for me at the time. I'm playing it now, and I'm telling you, I I was just playing wrong. I mean, like the story yeah. playtale is pretty well told. I mean, like voice acting is top notch, and the pre- the premise is tad a tad silly in terms of like the overall premise, but the relationships between like Amicia and Hugo that that stuff is really yeah really well done um smart game design you know it makes the flow of the game really well done like for a game with really small amounts of out and out combat uh and 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 
you sneaking around with environmental puzzles like it never felt slow it, it, it has a really good pacing behind it and, and it does the thing where you know amicia kills her first person uh and I, I think it does that really well like once that happens and like the subsequent times that something like that has to be done because you're not you're not out there tomb raider like oh, no. laura croft in no. this at all yeah. uh and, and they do a really good uh job with that kind of stuff and then, you know one thing that that's still kind of um it's still kind of like i don't love uh because i don't want play tale to be action heavy anyway but the combat stuff is limiting and it becomes a nuisance when like the game makes you do it i, I really kind of want like a immersive uh kind of sim type of thing where you don't ever have to engage in yeah in combat it like i just beat a day like sex that. you have to kind of fight yeah when you have to fight yeah yeah, I just bit. I just beat Deus Ex: Mankind Divided with, and never fought the last boss because I use a kill switch on him. Like it, mm-hmm. little stuff like that, where it's like I would like to see the story kind of branch out a little bit, and and, and you know, in in the way it's told, like you don't have to kill people, you don't have to do this, because I, I really think that that is is done really well. But yeah, that's it, man. I'm I'm really hoping the sequel improves on, on a lot of these elements. The rat physics, dope. All that shit is super fire. I I. I love this. I love this game. I, I, I'm just wrong. If we ever do a revisionist history for that year, this game's got to be up there for me. I'm not finished with it yet, but um, it's definitely a game that I want to play to get ready for the sequel that's coming up. All right, man. Righteous. Um, you know, thanks for thanks for coming around and giving another shot. Because yeah, I mean, I've been I've been flying this flag for a while. I think this game is yeah. excellent. Um, it is one of the best double A games I've ever played. Um, it is Quality. on Game Pass. And, and that, and that, it is on Game Pass. And that Xbox Series X upgrade is it nice. It does have the update. Yeah, even if you see it on PlayStation on sale, I think it's a cop. I mean, if if, if you're into, you know, okay. kind of the... If you liked, like, the God of War dynamic where, like, the the the, the dual characters together kind of thing, but it said it's mm-hmm. it's both kids and it's a different type of flavor, I think you're going to love this game. So I, I highly recommend yeah. it to everybody, especially mm-hmm. while it's so bone dry out here with uh, new stuff to play. In the streets. Yes, sir. So um, I think it's going to do it for loadouts, my boy. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the news segment of the show we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so we got four Hit Points to cover this week, Pablo. We got two for Microsoft and two for Sony. We got nothing for Nintendo. Maybe that'll change when they decide to wake up and have a 2022 themselves, but... They've been kind of quiet, so we'll just focus on the oh, other they're two. They're saving everything for the I, for July. Once July hits, I hope so. I'm ready for that direct uh, any day now. Um, but in the meantime, let's start with talking Microsoft, and uh, this is an you interesting say, one. This one here, you have to say direct like a Baptist preacher. Direct. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, listen. God, Nintendo. <laughs> Miyamoto. Um, <laughs> That was this. This is getting really bad. All right, news item number one, Pablo. Shut up. Oh, really good. Shut up. According to author Stephen L. Kent in his book, The Ultimate History of Video Games, Volume Two, Marvel reached out to Microsoft and Sony to make exclusive titles for their respective platforms back in 2014. Marvel was looking to replicate their box office success in the world of gaming. However. Microsoft decided to focus on their own IP at the time, which is allegedly also the same reason why they more recently turned down the opportunity to have the KOTOR remake as a timed exclusive. So, interesting story here, Pablo. Um, I'm curious to know what you think about Microsoft's decision-making 
um, and, yeah. and just kind of how you think that that decision has affected them for the better, for the worse, whatever you think, and if they made the right call. So I'll start with yeah. you and then I'll jump in afterwards. What do you got? I think the Marvel stuff makes a lot of sense to me. Like uh, before the great job that Insomniac did uh, with Spider-Man, the state of Marvel video games was bad. Like it was like, it wasn't like it is today. Like, you know, Wolverine IP being made like th- these really bad license games were coming out. And that's one of the reasons why uh, the vice president of, of Marvel Entertainment wanted to involve these big video game companies to make quality things that would, you know, emulate what they're doing with the box office stuff. Um, the thing is, I, I I also want to be clear and say who was going to do this for Xbox. You know, Xbox didn't really have a studio that I don't think that could have pulled off anything with Insomniac could have done, like even come close to that. So I think them recognizing what they have and what they didn't have, I think that's smart move by Xbox. Because, you know, a lot of the discourse out there is like, oh, they missed out on Spider-Man. It's like, no. Insomniac made that what that is. There is no guarantee that anybody in Xbox, and we've seen it, we've seen with their product probably wouldn't, wasn't going to be able to, you know, do the same thing or even come close to that. You know, um, I think also you have to look at what, where Xbox was at the time. Xbox was in survival mode. They were trying to get out of the Xbox one, uh, kind of reveal and, and, and everything that, 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 that came with that. And, and it, I think they were in a, in a position where they wanted to focus on their IP because they had to. They, they were literally on like on, on life support at that time. So it, it, there's a lot of things that you have to look at it within context. Uh, I would say that second part, that Star Wars culture, bananas. That's absolutely insanity. Like KOTOR <laughs> is a legacy Xbox IP. It came out exclusively on that platform. What what were they thinking? The, the rumor is that they that when they got approached with the the idea is uh, Aspire was already behind it and that uh Microsoft didn't have any faith in Aspire's uh skills to make this a possibility and they wanted to be more involved. And they were like, no, this is kind of the way it has to be. You give us some money, Aspire does it, and that's kind of how it's going to end up being as a times exclusive. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why. I, I don't know. I think that you fight through that. I think that you either find a way to take it in from Aspire or, or you know, if, if Sony thinks Sony's doing pretty good with 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 with, uh, with talent, I think that Aspire could do it, I, I would – or not Sony, but like – I would I would have been okay with that yeah. in, in, in that sense. But ultimately for me, I think that when you look at within the context of where they were, this makes a lot of sense. I think their decision making was right on. Uh does it suck because look what happened now and look what Marvel is? Absolutely. Did they miss the boat boat? Yeah, a little bit, but what's the guarantee that they were gonna be able to actually, you know, do this? Yeah. Uh, in terms of like make a good Marvel game. Marvel was in a bad way, Xbox in a bad way, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree much at all with anything you said. In fact, I'm probably just going to reinforce most of your points because um, I think we share the same sentiment here. Um, I think people have to really rewind back and think about 2014 and what that era of Microsoft was really going through and what what it was like in, in those offices at the time. Um, I'll put it this way. Marvel was the least of your problems. Matrix was your biggest problem. Um, And so they are fresh off the heels of getting punched in the mouth. And as a a podcast that I like, you likes to say, 
um, Iron Lords podcast, they always say um, Xbox snatched defeat from the jaws of success <laughs> after coming off the <laughs> heels good. of a great That's run good. with I the 360. Yeah. Um, great 360 run. And, and you mm. bungle everything you possibly can with Xbox One. You're in survival mode in 2014. Yeah. You're not thinking about, huh, I wonder if we could strike a deal with Marvel. I, th- I think you're wondering, should we even stay in the gaming arena after this? Yeah. And um, so I think that that critical state has really been understated in a lot of the dialogue that we've heard about this news story. Um, well, from this book, actually, um, that I've heard in other podcasts and gaming hubs uh, on the Internet because uh, it was bad out there. It was really bad. And so, yeah, I don't fault Xbox for saying no. And to your point, there was no studio, especially in 2014, that could even take the reins of a Marvel title and produce something that could hold a candle to the quality that Insomniac Games had yeah. at the time. Now, yeah, I think Beanox did a Spider-Man game, like something dimensional, something that was considered to be a good Spider-Man game, and then Insomniac came out with Spider-Man. They're like, oh, never mind, we're just it's Stockholm syndrome. My bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now I will say, at the time, Insomniac wasn't bought by Sony right. yet. We got Sunset Overdrive on Xbox, uh, which was yeah. really nice to see. Um, so maybe there's a, you know, what it could have, should have, to some small degree. I but I think in general... I don't know if Xbox ever had a chance to buy them, but oh boy, if they did and they didn't. Oh, they, yeah. And I think they're still probably, you know, feeling a little salty about it. And, and, and Somniac's still teasing <laughs> Sunset Overdrive stuff to this day. Um, they've been doing and that Somniac for a while Insomniac is probably now, so one of the best weird. studios. Yeah. It's one of the best studios ever. They are, really. And and so yeah. I think the only way it would have been viable yeah. is if they had a, a, a studio like that in the bag. So I think you're right. Yeah. Now, when it comes to KOTOR, fast forward all these years later to recently with the remake, I think that is... I, I hope it doesn't <laughs> bite them, but I think it's going to because KOTOR is synonymous with Xbox. And oh, if you're Xbox, you cannot... I, I understand it's Star Wars, and Star Wars is a lot bigger than KOTOR. I get that. But you, you, part of your history is in KOTOR as a console exclusive. And I know for a fact, myself and many other people um, would never have taken to Xbox as, as much as we did if it wasn't for having KOTOR. And so now... You're the company that's all about preserving your ecosystem and, and backwards compatibility, and you've been championing that for years, but you have an opportunity to bring part of your history back under yeah. your banner, and you wave that off and hand that over to Sony. First of all, let's give some credit to Sony, because, oh, yeah. boy, was that shrewd, Jim, <laughs> but smart. Yeah. Very, very, very smart, because but- even if this game is, is meandering and mediocre, you still took it away from Xbox in a timed exclusive fashion, and that still counts for yeah. something, regardless of the quality. Yeah, I, I, I will say, I when when they did announce that KOTOR was being remade, one of the first things I did is like, who's doing it? Is it Bioware? Like, and, it, and it, when it turned out to be Aspire who's doing it, I did a little bit of a like, who? And then I, yeah. I looked them up, and I was like, oh, okay. Look, look I, so... We'll know in the future if Xbox was kind of like, no, this is trash. Uh, but 
I think you're right. I think in terms of business sense, I think you know, Jim Ryan did a really good job in snatching this up. And I don't know if Sony, again, look at the track record, okay? Sony knows what they're doing when it comes to picking up these time exclusives or these exclusive games or these little studios that are, are, are pumping out incredible games. So Sony knows what's up when it comes to that. So yeah. I'm feeling inclined to, to believe that Xbox done fucked up here. Um, but it still remains to be seen. But regardless of that, you know, I, I, I think that, that that's insane. I I want to know the story behind that. And I have that book, by the way. Um, I, I, had, I hadn't read it. It came out last year. All the stuff is coming out. So I, I'm going to read that book and see if there's anything interesting in there that's going to pop off Man, on the internet slater. You don't know how to read. All right, let's move on to the next <laughs> news item. Number two. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> All right, rumors, Pablo, they're happening. They're out there in the internet. But they're starting to surface about what we'll see at the Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. Now, a lot of games were tossed around, a lot of things were speculated, but we're only going to focus on a handful of the rumors that we thought were most interesting in the grander scheme of things. Uh, One of which is that Starfield will be at the show. However, it'll only receive an in-engine trailer and not a big walkthrough, which was, side note, one of my predictions. Redfall as well. Yeah, same for Redfall. Um, Another rumor that we heard is that In Exile... It will be working on a Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas remaster in Unreal Engine 5. We also heard about the possibility of a Fable in-engine trailer. And get this, a Banjo-Kazooie remake from Double Fine, my boy? What? <laughs> my boy? So, oh, and one more thing that's not on the list but that I think is worth mentioning that we talked about Star Wars is that supposedly the, um, the, the, initi- not the initiative... Uh, the, the, the team that makes Gears of War. Coalition. Yeah, the Coalition. The Coalition is making a Mandalorian third-person shooter, which kind of, with their pedigree with Gears of War, does kind of make some sense. And that's kind of dope, too. But again, all this with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. And I think to that point, um, you know, I'll kick it right back to you again. With some of these rumors, and, and, and it's inevitable, this is the time of the year where that starts to happen, and... The quote-unquote insiders get a little weird and talk too much, and then double back, and then you know get a little yeah. strange on Twitter like they like they usually do because they don't want to be in trouble with the internet community. So, um, what do you make of these rumors, and 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 what st- sort of stands out? What are your impressions here? You know, I, I think that a little conspiracy theory here. Uh, I think that when it comes closer to these things, I think Xbox purposely reaches out to these people and gives them some information, kind of to to leak this stuff out there, to kind of basically some feelers. Because over the years, a lot of this insider stuff has been has been pretty accurate when when it comes to like those who work for the larger companies, you know, like like uh, like Jeff Grubb and, and and those kinds of guys. Like I never understood that. I never understood how that works. It's like why Jeff Grubb? Like, why <laughs> Why these guys? Like, is it relationships they've built over time? Like, why do they keep telling them if they're just going to say something, you know, on, on, on a podcast that they have? Mm-hmm. So I do feel like it's kind of like controlled leaks. You know, they know that this stuff is going to come out regardless. And so by putting a person that is on the forefront of uh, being a video game pundit and them having to say something, we'll drown out the Reddit post with, you know, with, with no kind of discernible uh, sourcing at all that might actually be real. Uh, but, you know, I, I do feel like a lot of the stuff is, is, is used for content. And I think that Xbox or PlayStation, whoever, I think they're all, 
I think they're all in on it to a certain extent. I, I think it's kind of one of those things like, don't say anything, wink, wink, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, 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 gone are the days of true surprises. I, I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, even though Kotor, going back to that, was a kind of a huge surprise. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things now where we're at, we're at a we're at a moment in time where with the internet, nothing is a secret anymore, and so. Honestly, I, I probably believe all of these things. There's probably they'll probably throw something in there like a Banjo Kazooie remaster remake that kind of throw people off a little bit. Maybe they're using that. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, okay, so I think holistically, um, I from this point on am going to do the best I can to plug my ears and go la 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 until the yeah. showcase because. I kind of hinted at this with how I opened this one out, but like, I really get irritated at this stage of the game when these leaks start to happen because I think the Jeff Grubbs of the world still fail to understand how much misdirection can happen in these leaks as well. Um, because while I don't necessarily think that anything stands out as unrealistic, even Banjo Kazooie. Some of these leaks don't necessarily mean we're going to see it at the show. And I think if you yeah. start sending these feelers out as an insider, you are thereby creating an expectation from the community that we're going to see every single thing that you list off. And this is why I get irritated with Jeff, Jeff Grubb and, and, and others like him, because you get mad about that, about that when, when, when we get angry at you. Because you, you know, yes... You're sharing stuff with us that may or not ha- may or may not happen at the showcase, or may or may not be announced at all this year, or might be happening, might not be happening. We get you're not in control of what's actually going on. You're just telling us what you hear, but you are having a detrimental impact on the community by continuing to douse us with all this stuff. So, I do agree that I do think there is such a thing as controlled leaks, but I also think that the Microsofts and Sony's of the world also don't like characters like this because they can start to, to to blow up the expectations of an event in ways that they don't want Jeff Grubb to do. Yeah. So I think it's a double-edged sword is all I'm saying. Now, getting to the actual games that are shown here, uh, the ones that we called out anyway, I do agree that the Starfield and Redfall uh, presence will be just an in-engine trailer. That was my prediction, so I won't dwell on that. I don't know if we're going to see a fallout type of thing happen at the showcase. This is one of those ones where I think I don't doubt that it's happening. I just doubt that we're going to find out at the showcase. I This does not sound like something yeah. they need to reveal this year. I see this as more of a next year thing. I just have a hunch about that. Uh, because Unreal Engine 5 is still relatively new. Developers are still getting a feel for what the possibilities are. So I don't think that there's enough there probably to show just yet. But I don't doubt that it's happening. Um, Fable, this is the one where I'm like, I don't know, even if they have something to show, I almost don't want them to show anything because like I said, if it's not going to come out this year or next year, I don't want to see it. Um, the rumor is 2024. Yeah. And again, I just don't know why they are going that far into the future when we don't have enough questions answered about the present. So I don't want to see that. Frankly, let me ask you this. If they answer some 2022 questions, like if Wolfenstein, now we know it's coming this year, if Hellblade's coming out this year, and then they dedicate a portion of the show for future titles, I, I think you can't do the, 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 the 
the splash, the title splash. You have to show a little something. And if they do it in that way, it's fine. But if they do it as to supplement like, oh, this is what Xbox working on. We're working on on this and this. And it's like we have no clear answers as to what's happening in the immediate future. That's when I think this kind of stuff is going to be kind of bad. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a question for me too. And, and it's like, and beyond all that, it's like, look, even if even if you have enough going on to kind of compensate for this year and next year, just keep it there because you guys move the goalpost all the time and I can't we yeah. can't fully trust you guys yet until the games actually yeah. come out. So just stop, you know, and, and take yeah. a break for a while. Now, to that very point, Banjo-Kazooie, Double Fine. Look, man, I... That's weird. I'm going to be... Personal opinion, I think... I'm going to get some heat for this. No, I agree with you. You're going to say what you're going to say. Banjo-Kazooie is not good. It's not good. I'm sorry. It's not I'm good. so sorry. I know people are going to, oh, what? It's part of a chance one of the best platforming games. I don't think so. No, I, I, listen, I don't have anything Shut against Banjo-Kazooie. If, I, I fully, hey, if y'all love it, I you do. love it. Great. I have something against it. It's not, it's not Mario 64. It's always been the B tier, you know what I mean? And and hey, that's yeah. fine. There can be a B tier of anything, right? But I'm not gonna, I'm not jumping out of the chair for this one. I'm sorry. I know, I know a lot of people I, I, will. Now, here's what here's what I will say. If they're smart, you make sure this ends up on Switch. You you strike yeah, up a deal yeah, with yeah. Nintendo. You work it out with them. Why why turn away that money? Why? Which which honestly, I think. I think that, that if it, this happens, that would be the smart thing to do. Absolutely, uh, you know, and it's weird because Xbox uh, owns Rare. Uh, why, why isn't Rare working on this? Oh, because obviously they can't get the shit together. Everwild, but you know, one of the things that one of the the rumors about In Exile working on potentially the remaster of of of, of uh, Fallout Three and New Vegas on Unreal Five, all that stuff is cool, but. I would almost put that shit off to the side if that means that they're going to announce and show the cyberpunk slash Deus Ex inspired first person shooter that they're working on. Uh, first person RPG that they're working on. I'd rather see that. Or, or they might do what they did like Obsidian did with Obsidian showed off a little bit of Avowed and then they're like, oh, and we're also working on uh, Outer Worlds 2. If they did something like that where they showed that game and they're like, by the way, these games are coming soon. Uh, mm-hmm. and remake a remade an Unreal Engine Five. I, I think that'd be cool. Because again, an, another another kind of uh, rumor attached to this is that we're not gonna get a Fallout Five till the end of this console cycle, maybe the beginning of next. Yeah. So these remakes on 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 UE Five would probably be the holdover between that. So yeah. that makes yeah. sense to me. Whether or not we're gonna see it now. I, I almost feel like a lot of these rumors we're seeing are stuff that's coming out later. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of it is so much future stuff that I'm kind of worried about the immediate future. And I hope one of my things that I said is that Xbox is willing to take the L this year. I hope that's not the case, but it feels like it might be. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. That's what I've been saying all this time though, man. But you know, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out. Now I will say for the sake of the podcast, if there are rumors that are of a special interest, then we'll bring them up. But I don't think me and Pablo can react to every little thing that's going to be out there over the next couple weeks. It's going to get a little crazy. So uh, we had to nitpick this stuff because we, there was a list of stuff. Yeah. It was just probably true, but I mean, we can't, you know, yeah, we we would have to take a whole podcast covering every rumor every week. It's just, it's just going to be too unwieldy. And I think we're going to have to just pick and choose as we move along. If at all, really, or we can make a stand to be like, we don't just talk about rumors anymore. Yeah. Unless it's like, Oh my God, like it's a surefire thing. And yeah, but uh, otherwise I don't know. But let's move on to something uh, that does seem to be all but confirmed. Let's shift to Sony news. 
with news item number three. It's been reported, Pablo, that merchandise for God of War Ragnarok is starting to emerge in select online stores and appears to have a September 30th release date. Meanwhile, the hotly anticipated game has also been rated in Korea, which further suggests that a 2022 release is in the cards. So, um, after months of assumptions from many people in many communities saying that Ragnarok would almost assuredly slip to 2023, Pablo, how does this game's apparent launch for 2022 make us feel about PlayStation's year? It's coming out September 30th. That's a Friday. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think you, you kind of, there's too many things happening around this. Uh, Starfield got delayed, and like a couple of weeks before that, there was a video documentary about the game, and it still said that it was coming out this year. <laughs> they just did that with God of War with accessibility stuff, and they still said it's coming out this year. There's no way that they make that mistake. And there was a blog. The same mistake. Yeah, was it a blog or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a blog or a video about accessibility about God of War, and there's nothing, you can't make that mistake twice where it's like, it's coming out 2022 when that Starfield and Xbox just dropped the ball in that way. Second, rated in Korea, which I don't know, that, that stuff happens all the time, but the merchandise stuff, you're going to drop merchandise on the 30th with no game in sight? It, it's either coming out on the 30th or somewhere around that time. It, it's At this point, I think it behooves Sony to get out in front and say, hey, we're also delaying God of War till 2023, if it's already delayed. At this point, with everything happening after Starfield, I think that this is a, and they haven't said anything, I think it's pretty much in silence them confirming that this is coming out this year. Because I, if I was Sony, I, right, on the, uh, right on the heels of Starfield, I, I, I dropped the, 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 the delay as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll soften the blow a little bit in terms of like, both of the teams are not having the the big release of the year but yeah i think i think at this point and this would i I would have said this a couple of weeks ago about about starfield as well but i think at this point it is it is pretty much a short thing that god of war ragnarok is coming out this year and let me tell you that's exciting yeah yeah we'll talk about that more later on in the checkpoint chat but yeah i mean i think this makes sony's year um very very solid i think people have quickly forgotten that horizon and Gran Turismo Gee, and Gran Sifu Turismo. have happened, and now we have this, the potential of a Last of Us remake with factions, um, and possibly Final Fantasy sixteen coming out this year as well, since that seems like it's possibly all but done. I mean, if all these stars and planets align, and this is the kind of year that ends up happening for PlayStation, that is going to be massive. And I don't mean to yeah. say that in any kind of console war-y kind of fashion. Well, they one-upped Microsoft. I mean, they they will have done that this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. There's, no, there's no denying that. Um, but I just think that of their own merits, and, and we've got to also understand this is happening before the PSVR 2 starts to take a, have a presence as well, an entire other branch of what PlayStation is Which they said is doing. they have 20 games ready to go for that. Right, so, so they are clearly putting their eggs in the right baskets here overall, and it is leading to a nice... Oh, it could be better. It, it is a little dry at this point in the year right now, but it is leading to a, a pretty nice cadence of releases. And again, this is even yeah. not counting what they've invested in, in terms of studios and manpower into their VR division, um, yeah. which we'll see be seeing sooner than later, I, w- I would imagine, by the end of the year. Um, so this yeah. is boding well for them by having great core titles um, that will steer yeah. traffic back to PlayStation or continue steering traffic to PlayStation. And, 
And I think it'll. And in well. retrospect, in retrospect, nobody looks back at a year of gaming and go, "Oh, I love that year, 2017." But I remember but, these three months yeah. of dryness. <laughs> but, no, but May everybody's was just gonna really uh, rough. Yeah, yeah, they're just gonna think about 2022, and if it's Final Fantasy yeah. 16, if it's God of War Ragnarok, if it's, um, you know, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, Sifu, which is an outstanding game they released, and it's, uh, uh, you know, The Last of Us remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that is. Probably their best year in a while. You know, in a while, like, yeah. In in a while, you know, you know, it's one of those things where Jesus. I mean, you really are are, and, and that and that puts the onus on, on Xbox to kind of deliver next year as well because uh, we're not flaming the 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 the, the console wars sure. here, but it is what it is. And next year, yeah. even if Xbox has all these games coming out, they better all be good because twenty twenty two just murdered everybody, including Nintendo, which it was. It looks to have a strong year, but yeah. Man, that's that's massive if that all this happens. It sure is. Which it looks like it is. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. So definitely excited to see it. I, I'm sure that we'll probably get an announcement soon, maybe at a state of play uh, coming up uh, next month, potentially. We'll see. Uh, but the fourth and final hit point news item is, again, a Sony story. This one's a bit more interesting because it's not just about games. It is about Pablo Sony's initiative to continue bringing their first party hits to TV and the big screen. During the QA portion of Sony's business briefing, we learned that Horizon, God of War, and Gran Turismo have TV series in development. Horizon is heading to Netflix, from what we hear, and God of War is supposedly going to Amazon, while Gran Turismo's home is TBA. Now, Pablo, given Uncharted's um, pretty surprising box office success, is this a smart move for Sony to continue down this path? And what, if anything, are you looking forward to out of all this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to none of these. Um, <laughs> just on the ped- just on, but hold on, just on the pedigree of, of video games turning into film and movie. Now, is this a smart move? Absolutely. I mean, this is the importance of good timing and having proven IP that people want to see more of. I think, Making games into TV or movies isn't a new idea by any stretch. And the funny thing is, is Xbox One launch strategy was exactly this. But the problem is that Xbox overestimated their position in the industry when they did this. They didn't have the power, to, to, the the IP to do this. Quantum Break, nobody wanted to see a Quantum Break TV show. Like it, It's just weird things like that. Sony has the goods. The, Sony has the IP that can really translate over to a great TV, potentially great TV show. The chances of that being great, I don't know. I have my doubts. Witcher, Witcher is, is, is an anomaly so far, you know. Uh, Uncharted film, I, I didn't think that was very good to begin, to begin with. So uh, to see in a God of War, I, I can't picture a quality show in a God of War setting. Horizon, same thing with Horizon. Um <laughs> Gran Turismo is weird unless they do like a gearhead. Th- I think it'll thing. be like a Top uh, Gear kind of thing. I would imagine Top Gear thing. Yeah. yeah, if it's something like that, then uh, that's awesome, you know. Uh, but uh, ultimately, yeah, that's probably the, the the best one uh, of them in terms of like the, the the potential of it being good. But I mean, this is a good strategy. I mean, look, they have the IP that people love to see, want to see. Uh, uh, the Last of Us is getting some hype, you know, in terms of like uh, how good it's going to be. Uh, yeah, this is smart. I, I, I think that they're doing it in the right time. They're, they're not making this 
an essential part of their console. They're just making this an essential part of their IP in general that far extends just video games. You know, they're not they're not letting anything fall to the wayside. They're they're, they're kind of juggling all these things and 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 they're doing a seemingly doing a pretty good job with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at what Uncharted did in the box office. Um, yep. that is bound to get the attention of a Netflix, of an Amazon, of of whomever, to say, hey, if it worked for Uncharted, why wouldn't it work for XYZ? And so I think yeah. it's only natural that both parties, or all these parties rather, would be mutually interested in expanding these IP beyond just video games. I think it's very smart. There's no reason to, to limit these, these IP to just being video games, really. Um, I think they're all in good enough spaces where um, even, if the, uh, you know, even if the shows aren't the, the best, I don't think it's going to come at the cost of, of you know, the games you know, being absolutely frowned not. upon or whatever, because they're still it as could good be as absolute ever. horseshit. What's that? They could be absolute horseshit. It's not going to affect yeah, the game. So, so nothing's going to get, nothing's going to get hurt by, by, you know, a, a TV series that might not be as, as great as others. I mean, you know, look, the Halo TV show, uh, we, we both bounced off of that quick and it's been pretty yeah. abysmal from what I've heard. Um, I mean, Master Chief is smashing on the show. Um, Master Cheeks is oh, what he's being called on the internet. <laughs> and it's like, you know, is Halo going to survive that? <laughs> of course it is. So, like, look, I, I think there's no reason to turn down offers if you're Sony. It's money on the table. Go get it. And and for fans, look, you get a, a, the potential, at least, of seeing your favorite IPs in a different light. Um, I think it's really cool. And um, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo this. I'm not going to be um, assume no. the worst at all. I think I think this is just going to come down to writing. It's going to come down to having the right people call on the shots on all these projects and, and taking their time to get it right. And I think if they can do that uh, and have a real true vision that does not disrespect the lineage of the series that we're talking about, then I think we'll be okay. Oh, well. Well, I mean, don't watch Uncharted then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say it was disrespectful. I think it was just a, a weird interpretation there that probably it, it still worked. So, I mean, um, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep tabs on it. Um, this is a trend that I think will continue. We heard about Mass Effect getting this kind of treatment. Obviously, we'll see what happens with uh, The Last of Fallout. Us. F- Fallout. Fallout has has Amazon show. Yeah, this is here to stay, guys. Um, you know, the the. the the movie and film industry, TV, they all want proven commodities right now. It's a lot less risky to take chances on something new. But, um, but it's only a matter. It was only a matter of time. Video mm-hmm. games is the fastest growing entertainment entity. Yeah, it's only natural. Uh, of the last decade. So of course the the movies who are failing right now, flailing actually, mm-hmm. are going to want to tap into something to kind of revitalize them. You know, TV is good, but of course they also want more. So yeah, hundred percent. All right, so. That is going to wrap up our Hit Points segment this week. Hope you enjoyed our news items. If not, it's okay. Whatever. I don't know you. Let's move on to the main event of the show. It's called the Checkpoint Chat. Let's go. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, homie. We're here. We're at the middle of 2022. Um, in tradition of, of the Cool Down Time podcast, well, we only did it one other time because we were the long story <laughs> tradition of one year. Yeah. 
but just roll with it. It's fine. Um, we like to do a, a mid-year year in review. Um, we did this last year for 2021. Uh, we talked about some of our favorite and least favorite things about the year. And we are going to keep that tradition alive for 2022. So here's the rundown, y'all. Me and Pablo are going to start by outlining our personal top three games of the year. We're going to go round robin from three up to one, talk about each game. Um, and then we're going to move on from there to talking about our biggest disappointment of 2022. And we'll get into why and we'll see how we feel about that. Then we're going to go into the next thing, which is giving a letter grade for 2022 thus far. Uh, we'll give our grades, we'll explain why, and then we will wrap it up with giving you another top three, but this time it'll be our top three most anticipated games that are coming out later this year. Now, one quick thing. This is a halftime show of the year. We know that we have conferences coming up, the Xbox showcase. These things are going to be subject to change, of course, especially when it comes to the most anticipated stuff. Um, so we might revisit this list post-June and see where we sit afterwards. Yep. Um, so just keep that in mind um, and, and, and know that we know there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about yet. Um, so without further ado, Pablo, why don't we go ahead and jump right in and let's start off with the top three games of the year, according to you and me. Um, so... Pablo, let me kick it over to you first. Tell me your third best game of the year and why. Yeah, we talked about it already on the front, and it's a Sniper uh, Elite 5. Already? Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, look, when I look at what I've played with Dying Light 2 and, and, and Horizon Forbidden West, uh, you know, those games are fine, and I like those games fine. It's just that for me, I, I it, it's been a lot harder for me to completely get into those games so where I sit there and start to finish. I still haven't finished any of those games and I want to and I will. I always there's always a few games that I always beat at every the year, year and I will. It, it drives me yeah. crazy. And I and I will, but my my issue is is that as it stands, those are quality games, but for me Sniper Elite 5 is is just a game that I I, I just want to keep playing and it's been a while since I've had a, a game like that where I just kind of wanted to keep playing and playing and playing you know and, and it's it's for all the reasons that i said up top i, I love sniper league five and, and it is my number three uh for the year so far okay yeah i mean um my number three is uh ghostwire tokyo now a couple episodes ago we did our first review checkpoint and i issued this game uh an okay time rating which is kind of somewhere in the middle of about an, an average score I gotta say, um, while I still maintain my stance about the game, as I talked about on that episode, I I don't think I gave the game enough credit either, so I'm walking a little bit of that back, and if there were such a thing as a .5 up on our scale that we created, I think I would bump it up to that, um, because I, <laughs> I kind of saved it for now, but one of the games I'm also playing right now is Ghostwire Tokyo for the second time. And that is not something that I have done with any other game this year with the exception of Elden Ring. Um, so that tells you something. That tells me that um, this game did an outstanding job as yeah, something an there. open world 
experience. Um, and, and I say that because it does a really good job of introducing you to the world, the characters, the conflict, the combat, and the general gameplay loop in a very, very good way. It doesn't fall victim to a lot of what other open world games do where they either, they either throw you into the, the lion's den and say go in the worst way possible or they hold your hand for so long you get annoyed and it's just like, let me go, let me play, right? This game does a perfect job of telling you what's up and then letting you go do your thing. Um, I found the gameplay, while slightly repetitious, to be fun and gratifying. Some of the open world isms of the game, some of the things you can collect and find, they actually make that relatively enjoyable. Um, and I just found that every time I fired up this game, I, I always just fell right in the in, in the pocket, and I was in a good rhythm with the game all game long. Um, and I, 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 don't, I can't say that a lot about other games that I've played, even last year, too. Um, so I got to eat some crow, you know, leading up to the release of this game, I was very harsh towards it because I didn't know got you on a straight crow diet. Oh man, all day. Um, it, it's, it, it did not roll out the best marketing wise. I'll stand by that, but in playing it, what marketing, since, right? what's that? Like, what marketing? Right? Yeah, exactly. It was obscure. It was weird. And it was like last second too. So I'm like, okay, I don't trust this game being good. But I was wrong, man. It turned out very good. It's actually on sale as we speak, I believe, for the um, uh, the, the the new uh, PlayStation Days of Play uh, savings or whatever. I think it's a cop, man. I really like it, and um, I think it's one of my favorite games of the year, actually. So that's my number three. Um, Pablo, let me kick it back to you. What is your second favorite yeah. game of the year? Yeah, um, my second uh, favorite game of the year is... A DLC, Lost Judgment, the Ka- the Kaito Files. Look, um, a theme of this year is a lot of games coming out don't have a very good story. Even Elden Ring, its story is 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 you know you have to kind of like really look for it. It's not really out and out. I don't like Dying Light Two story is fine. Horizon Forbidden West story is crazy. Oh, is insane. <laughs> this game really kind of. It takes that for me, and it really just pairs it down to just a great, great story. Um, I, I would say, for me, it's one of my favorite Yakuza stories. Uh, it's small. It, 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 it really doesn't waste its time in, in telling it. Uh, and I really love the dynamic uh, between uh, Kaito and, and his who he thought, or uh, spoiler alert, guys, who he thought was his son. Uh, none of you guys played this game, so I don't yeah, fuck. But you should. Um we should absolutely, you know, and, and those little things like that. It just picked up where Lost Judgment, uh, you know, left off in terms of like an addictive gameplay, but also the fact that the story is really well done. And who would have thought that um, a DLC would have added Young Yi, and we were and we were gonna uh, be listening to him, his docile tone, <laughs> his docile tones of unforgettable, however his uh, yeah uh, accent goes. But yeah, I, I love I love this game. It is it is. It's it's gonna probably make my top ten of the year because I just I, I thought it was like a great time I, I powered through I mean I think I, I beat this in two sittings people who know me I don't really play games like that and I just devoured this motherfucker but yeah that's my number two yeah yeah I mean I had this on my list for a while I think the reason why I took it off is because I wish it was standalone I really do I wish they blew this yeah. out and made it its own separate thing because it's so good Standard that it it, yeah. it doesn't need to be DLC for Lost Judgment to 
to be worth playing. I think it would have been really cool to have almost make it like a Miles Morales type of thing almost. Yeah. I think that would have been awesome, but um, yeah, it's still an incredible experience. It is one of my favorites of the year too, um, but I, I did take it off my list personally because of that. Um, yep. My number two, Pablo, is Pokemon Legends Arceus. We spent a long time on this show, dunking all over, like posterizing this game. Um, Mother Crow. Name jokes yeah. every week. We ran through every word that starts with A other than apology. Because uh, I, I, owe, I owe this game an apology. It was good. It was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. I was very, very weary of how this game would turn out. Because, as I said back then, we should have had a game like this years ago. Yes, better late than never. But even if it goes open world, does it feel old? Can the Switch even handle something like this? Like, what, what are we going to get here? And what I ended up getting was an incredible time. Um, what a what a fun, leisurely, comfy game to play. Um, it it was such an awesome time to just kind of roam around, find some cool Pokemon, catch them, and to never feel any of like what other game. And this is that man. It's that Nintendo charm. Like it, it's just that aura of like it's just being charming and cute, <laughs> and yeah. it just works. You know, and fun to play. It's fun to play. Um, it was a really addicting experience for me, and, and I didn't expect that at all. Um, everything about this game hit. Now, I will say I, I had some issues with the combat. I didn't like the fact that it was too many one-hit kills um, in, in, the, in the battling. Uh, I know that was something they did deliberately because they wanted to speed up the, 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 the length of the battle time. But I think they overcompensated. I think they oversteered with that. And I think they made the combat go by a little too fast. There's just one hit kill offs every single battle. And towards the end of the game, where it becomes more battles against other trainers, it was like, man, this is so frustrating. I've leveled this Pokemon up so high and did all, I got all the coolest moves and everything. And I'm getting dropped in one hit. Um, that frustration aside, I think this game was incredible. It really, really held my attention in ways I didn't think it could. And again, it just really spoke to me in that comfort food level that I love about video games. So shout out to Pokemon Legends Arceus. It, it, it did its thing, yeah. and it's, it's uh, certainly uh, one of my favorite games of this year. I, and I'll spoil something here real quickly. I was shocked that it didn't make your anticipated list, uh, the the purple, violet, whatever. Oh, yeah, well, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm waiting to see more about it first before I can cast yeah, judgment, yeah. but yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if I'm going to be too burned out by then on Pokemon after how much right. time. I, I put a lot of hours into Arceus, so. You did. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, that's my number two. So, Pablo, I don't think we need to really drum roll this one. Um, no. let's, let's not beat around the bush. We both have the same number one. It is Elden Ring, shocker. Um, but let's unpack this a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know that Elden Ring has become like the, oh my God, it's a, another podcast talking about Elden Ring, but you know, we have to give flowers. It, it is the time of year where it's time to give those mid-year flowers out. And we got daffodils for this thing. So hand mm-hmm. out a few, Pablo, yeah. talk to me about, uh, what this game means to you right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not just the best game of 2022. It's one of the best games of all time. Uh, full stop. I mean, uh, it doesn't just reinvent like the From Software Souls game. Uh, it reinvents the open world genre. Period. It, it strips back 
everything to its simplest form and doubles down on player exploration, which, you know, it doesn't hold your hand uh, and it really trusts you to kind of figure it out. And, and it really works really well. And you couple that with like the sublime combat and one of the deepest character build systems of any from software, but really a lot of RPGs. This is the this is a game that I don't even think from software can replicate in, in a way where like a sequel to this game or the next Dark Souls, Dark Souls Four. I don't think I think this is the apex, the the, the top of the mountain for, for from software, and what a what a what a tippy tap. I mean, this game is Excuse just me? <laughs> this game is just absolutely astonishing, and it's and it's just it, it is. It's breathtaking. I love this game to bits. It's it's so good, and it's one of those games that I'm not gonna say that I, I had I doubted that it would be good. I just had no I, I don't think anybody had any idea this game was going to be what this game ended up being. I mean, Marco is not a Elden Ring, uh, not a From Software fan at all, and he's still not. But he he loves Elden Ring. He it, it, it stood out to him. That's a testament to to, to great game development. And uh, yeah, this is this is one for the ages. Yeah, I mean, um, my history with Souls games, as I've said in episodes past, has not been um, very good uh, because of my, you know, my challenges with the series or, or games like this, really. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring was the exception in almost every possible way. Um, now, I, I want to say I have cooled a little bit on Elden Ring. Um, not to the point where I am saying it's not one of the greatest games ever made. It's still pretty much in my top 10 at this point in time, so it's still there. But I will say that it is um, it is beatable this year, I think. Um, it can be done. And I do think that some of the flaws that this game has is worth calling out. Um, you know, I, I love it for all the reasons that you said. It's it's one of the greatest open world games I've ever played in my life. It's one of the greatest games I've ever played in my life. Combat's great. The bosses are great. The locations are memorable. Uh, the, the general atmosphere and aura of that game is incredible. But I think that there are three particular issues that I have that I do think are worth calling out. And I think we have to start with performance. I think that has been an issue um, that, as of this recording... From software has still not addressed, and I think that is uh, that is a shame. Um, the game for me was playable, but only because I played the PS4 version on my PS5. And the fact that I had to do that, the fact that a lot of PlayStation fans had to do that, the fact that Xbox fans couldn't do that and had to get stuck with a game running at around 40 to 45 to 50 frames per second, that might sound that might sound petty to a casual gamer but to a lot of people who are especially frame sensitive that is a big problem and the fact that we telegraph that knowing from's history of not optimizing very well and it still happens that way and all this time later since it's been out we really haven't seen anything in the way of of performance improvements the fact that loading times are almost triple the length of what playstation fans have to deal with these things tally up after a while does it ultimately ruin the game does it break it does it make it unplayable no but it does make me disappointed that from software amid this success of elden ring has not circled back to continue addressing and refining this problem um i am disappointed about that second thing only uh only marco would 
take the time to talk about his number one game of the year and shit on it. Yeah, but listen, <laughs> but listen, listen it, but, but, the, but see, this is the thing. I'm messing with you, I'm messing with you. Right, I think right. that a lot of people have heard so much gushing about Elden Ring that not enough people have really sat back and said, hey guys, look, we think it's one of the greatest games of all time, but it has problems. You know, and one of the yeah. one of the other ones, not perfect. I think is the story. The story to me is a true disappointment for me, and it's the reason why Elden Ring can only climb but so high on my personal top top list. Because as a story driven guy, this game really let me down, and I wasn't expecting Mass Effect levels of storytelling here. But when you tell me you're bringing in George R. R. Martin to help build this world, this 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 yeah, lore, this universe. I am going to naturally have higher expectations because you're telling me you're going the extra mile. So when I get the game, I want to see the extra mile. And instead of getting that, what I got was the same obscure, mysterious, riddly, rhymy, cryptic, uh, gobbledygook that you always see in Souls games. And it was just disappointing that despite bringing us into a new world, a new universe with new conflicts, there's nothing really of value narratively that's happening in this game to the point where a lot of what's happening in that game just kind of became a blur to me, you know? And and I found that to be yeah. kind of d- disappointing. The last thing I'll say is a minor yeah, I, complaint. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. There I yet. still don't still, know. So. I still have no yeah, clue. Yeah. I just listen to people talk in circles and I go, okay, I guess that's fine. Last thing I'll say is there's a small difficulty spike towards the end of the game. Uh, it's, it's made a lot of people decide to go farm. I never like when games um, you know, put you in a position like that. It is not a big deal, but it was something that kind of impacted my experience because I was cleaning house, and then all of a sudden, I am on attempt 40 <laughs> of a boss fight out of nowhere. Yeah. So it does have a little bit of that. Um, but otherwise, look, it is every bit as good as we said it was on this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it only has a thousand and thirteen problems. All right, but it is good. No, no, no. It, those are those are hair splitting. I know I it, I made it seem like they're bigger than they are, but um, I just wanted to say it is great and it is an all time classic game. But we're not sitting here trying to tell you it's perfect. We're just telling you, no, despite its no. flaws, it is one of the greatest only games. One ever. Perfect game. So that's where I'm at. Sorry, there's only long. one perfect game, Marco. And I, I, let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. Metal Ocarina Gear of Solid. Time. Okay. <sighs> On the same page. All right. Ocarinas are whack. Um, <laughs> speaking of whack, Pablo, we got to talk about the biggest disappointments in our personal opinions of 2022. So, Pablo, I see what yours is. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear this, this rant. The floor is yours. What is the biggest disappointment? Yeah. Of 2022, according to you. Well, look, for those of you who know me, I'm I'm Xbox kind of guy. You know, I, I, that's kind of where I gravitate to. But I have to call a spade a spade. I think the most disappointing thing for me this year has been Game Pass. Yes, we just got Cyber Elite Five, but look, we got Nobody Saves the World. We got Tunic, Trek to Yomi, uh, the Chronicles Rising with Elodin. Chronicles Rising, Chinatown Detective Agency, Weird West, Shredders, fucking Windjammers 2. Look, I like I like Windjammers 2, but all these games that when you look at them on paper, the, the, the pedigree behind them, if people were to tell you what these games were last year, like, oh, these games are coming out, seems like a great lineup for Game Pass. But all these, all these games, with the exception of maybe Windjammers 2, are huge misses. 
for me. Like, massive misses. Like, one miss is fine. Two misses is fine. Three misses is fine. But now you're going to the point, like, are you guys picking out good games at all? And I know people are, like, screaming into the into the headphones, like, Tunic is amazing. Tunic is not amazing. I know people, Sorry, yeah, I like, agree. nobody, yep. yeah, and people are talking about nobody saves the world. Nobody is talking nobody about that game. Nobody played that game. game. Like, yeah, Trek to, Yo- <laughs> Trek to Yomi is cool and all, but I mean, ultimately, I think it got long and two towards the end, and there wasn't enough there to really kind of make the game be what it thought it was. Uh, the Eluded Chronicle Rising, I- that game is fine. It's just not, it's just budget. It- it's a budget game, and there's not enough there for what this game could have been. And then, you know, Chinatown Detective Agency, I think I had it in my top five most anticipated indie game uh, when we did this mm-hmm. show, and that is, man, what a what a disappointment and then weird west is a weird choice yeah, uh yeah. I, you look it's it's an immersive sim rpg like uh, uh top down these things these games don't do well like wasteland 3 i love wasteland 3 but that's not that game's never going to sell millions and millions and millions of copies very niche and it, the fact that they're picking these games uh is it, it, it for me it just feels it's less about the quality and value of game pass it's about more of microsoft's inability to pick good games to come out on this thing because you have to the the, the little the things always been said the devil's in the details yeah you can have snapper early five you can have forza if it comes out next year you can have all these games wolfenstein 3 whatever the case may be coming out on game passes sure but you have to you have to keep us entertained within that and i and listen i don't think that people need to run off and be like oh fuck uh, game pass but i think that you should call out game pass if game pass is not delivering what they promised and what they promised was that these games nobody says the world two nick trek to yumi chronic detective they were gonna be good and they weren't and what's their oversight like they're they're missing they're whiffing big time like this goes back to last year 12 minutes um uh the ascent like all these all these games that 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 on paper before they came out there was something people were excited about and they finally come out and they're not very good. It's like, maybe it's just bad luck, regardless of what it is. My most disappointing thing of this year is by far Game Pass because it's just not good right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. Games are free. I get yeah. it. All that shit. I understand. But I don't want to, I don't want to play them. I want to play yeah, them. Yeah, dude. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, listen, we're not going to sit here and tell you Game Pass is trash and we're unsubscribing. That was, that was a joke at the top of the show. And that was obviously That's, a dumb thing anybody could say on Twitter. It, it's a good service. It'll yeah. always be a good service, right? But Pablo is right. Just, um, like, Sniper Elite 5 alone makes up for what, a month or two of, of subscriptions? Like, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean, it, but Pablo's right, though. Like, you know, a lot of what Game Pass is, is download a game, play it for five minutes, go, ugh. And uninstall. I'm sorry. It just is a lot of times that way. Now I get Microsoft's not making these games. I, I we both are yeah, very yeah. very clear on that. But it is a problem of picking them right. Just because a game wants to be on Game Pass does not mean it might be the best fit for Game Pass. And sometimes you have to make sure you're doing a better job of curating your Game Pass library if you're Xbox. And I think that's the argument. Uh, for the most part, that Pablo's making here. It's not that, you know, you, they're never going to know if a game's going to turn out good or bad. It's just that you have to use some sort of level of savvy and awareness um, when you work on these agreements with these studios um, that it's actually going to reflect well for Game Pass just as well as it would for the game in the studio. Uh, and I feel like that has been a disappointment uh, to some extent this year. So I'm with you on that. Um, it wasn't my pick, though. My pick is... Um, Oh boy, I, when you said at the top of yours that you think some people were going to kind of recoil, I think there's going to be some people that are going to do that with my pick here, because um, 
My choice is Horizon Forbidden West. <gasps> I know. My pearls. No, I know. Uh, but listen, I am not sitting here telling you that because it is my biggest disappointment that I think that this is a bad video game. There are a lot right. of people who swear by Horizon Forbidden West, and that's totally fine. There's podcasts I listen to that champion this game all the time, too. And hey, that's totally okay. But I think this game was a letdown for me for a few key reasons. Reason number one, the gameplay in this game, to me, did not move the needle whatsoever for Horizon. It really was just more of the same. Now, depending on how you feel about Horizon Zero Dawn, Hearing that might be a good thing. You might be like, all right, cool. More of that is fine by me. I'm just not one of those people. I expected more evolution. I expected more variation. And I didn't really get much of that at all. I just got a bunch of different bows that shoot at different ranges, some traps and lures, and the same sneaking around red bushes. And really, really bad, bad, bad platforming. And, um, yeah. That stuff, to me, just did not work too well at all. I love the open world in this game. It is gorgeous. Icons every which away. Every which away. Yeah. And it is, it is a, a boundless in things to do. You won't get bored of this one. It's just that it kind of feels to me like they sort of borrowed the Assassin's Creed playbook a little bit too much. Have a few too many things going on out there. Um, yeah. more content does not always mean better experience. I think less would have been a little more for this game. If, if we're talking my perspective, reason number two, the story, I was on the show saying, Hey, let's give Aloy a chance. Let's give her a chance. Let's give her a chance. We get this game and Homegirl is almost insufferable <laughs> in my opinion. I understand that it was intentional to make her very short with people, very detached, very focused on the mission. I get it narratively. Trust me, I do. However, if you want me to play this 40, 50, 60 hour game with this character who is detached and uninterested and doesn't show a lot of emotion, it is inevitable that that is going to get annoying. And even as somebody that defended her from the first game, I have to say she was a huge buzzkill for me in this game. All game long. Even in some of the more emotional moments that happened in the game, which I'm trying not to spoil because Pablo's still working on the game. The science fiction in this game is bad. I'm sorry. I'm so yeah. sorry. It is bad. I, I get it. Everyone likes different sci-fi. Some stuff hits better for some than it does others. I get that. I really think this is poor sci-fi, guys. Um, the the stuff with New Zenith, that faction, the 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 quote-unquote real threat that they reveal towards the end of the game that Pablo hasn't seen yet is beyond deflating to me, especially the design of this bigger threat. Um, if you like neon red squiggly lines, boy, do we have a boss design for you. I literally... Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a fan of the first game. Everybody knows that. So this game, when it came out, I'm like, okay, 
I actually enjoyed this game more than the than the first game, but I I still don't get the hype with the Horizon IP. I don't get, yeah. I, and I do feel a little bad for it because the first one suffered from it coming right out before Breath of the Wild, and this one is like right before Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, the, the most over overhyped in my opinion IP on the Sony on the Sony catalog. Now, now here's another thing. The tribalism stuff going on in this game Ugh. is so I'm not I mean some of y'all eat that up. I think it is brutal. These tribes all have these weird rituals and these weird uh, the, we're going to serve the blood of the 10 and, it, 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 and we're going to go down Just to so the wisp trope. Here here is the dialogue in a nutshell of this game. We're going to go down to the whispering rock and and perform the ritual of a kafuku and and then we're going to find the 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 whispering stone of the ancient tribe of the 12 of the blood of the 10. And and it's just everybody talks like that in every tribe, dude. Everybody and they go and they drill down in depth into what those things are. And I'm like, I, I don't care about your made up. Everything sounds the same after a while. All these tribes have their different cultures and different religious beliefs and stuff like that. And on the surface, oh, it's like, oh, that's cool. But it's just so caked with that weird, whispery, whimsical goofiness that just doesn't make sense. And it's like, oh, my God, shut up. So finally... The last thing I'll say is the world building, I hate it. <laughs> we, we always clowned it back then, right? And I hope they had done a better job of, of contextualizing it in the sequel. But why everybody wearing helmets made of bicycle spokes and old alternators from a Hyundai Sonata? Why does everybody look goofy? Why? Everybody looks goofy. I know that sounds petty. Some people are going to roll their eyes when they hear that. But it's like, look, you got to make this world believable, right? Like, why are they still tribal? Why do they still look like that? Why is the chief of this tribe we- uh, wearing all white makeup all over his body? Why Why is he wearing eye, you know, w- what are the rhymes and reasons behind why people look the way they look, why locations are the way they, like, there's just not enough there in terms of world building to make me believe but- and be excited about the old world stuff and the new world stuff. And it just takes me out. It's so- it takes me out. It's so surface level because there's technology in this world, technology that would better people's lives if they just used it. And then I, I think the, the conceit and the concept of this game is like, wouldn't it be cool if these people praise the stuff that we see as regular stuff of, uh, in current America, like the Air Force? Yeah, oh like God. there's somebody that yeah, there's like a like, tribe that worships like a Wi-Fi signal lo- icon or something weird yeah, like that. Like, that's <laughs> legitimately the conceit. They probably sat around they thought that was the coolest thing because like our stuff in the future will be relics and so that's it i mean because i it's so silly to me it doesn't it doesn't look good you know it just it doesn't it, it just doesn't feel real it feels i see right through it and it's really annoying. Yeah, bicycle yeah. spokes on her head you know her head. Her head. uh but yeah that is my most disappointing game so far i'm not saying it's bad guys i'm just saying it didn't hit with me that's all i'm saying uh, Pablo, let's jump on into the next thing. Let's give man, twenty twenty two is an interesting year, man. Let's give this hoe a grade. Yeah. What do you got? Talk to I'm, talk to me. Yeah, I'll go short and sweet here. I, I I struggle with this because of how much I Elden Ring I think is such an exceptional game and how it you know, it, it, it kind of uh it, it goes beyond just this year in terms of how what Elden Ring is and what's going to, what it's going to be and what for me for gaming in the future past whatever so but I still I went ahead and gave it a C plus simply on the back 
of Elden Ring. Um, obviously, Lost Judgment is a game that I like, and, and, and Sniper Elite 5. It's just that specifically Sniper Elite 5 are games that wouldn't ride in my top 10 uh, in any other year. But I, I don't think it's a terrible year because even then, uh, you know, Horizon Forbidden West, Pokemon Legends, Arceus, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Lands, these games are quality games that I've enjoyed playing throughout the year. I just, none of them has spoken to me in a way that has really, 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 really resonated uh, in terms of making a solid year of gaming for me. So ultimately for me, I- I'll do C+. I had a B- on here, but I think when it's all said and done, uh, this first half uh, is is going to end up just being a C-, C plus for me. Yeah, I have a C as my grade, and-, and for predominantly the same reasons. I think Elden Ring kind of carried the year. Um, some games surprised me, some games let me down. Um Microsoft's no-show for the first half of this year and potentially the rest of it, for all we know, is is very disappointing and left a bad taste in my mouth about this year. Nintendo's kind of having a typical Nintendo year in their own right with very minimal uh, stuff to, to, to play and to talk about. Although, to your point, Kirby has been well-received. The new uh, tracks for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe have been good. Uh, so there are there, there's stuff to do. But um, I think they've had a pretty ho-hum year themselves. I think Sony has been the strongest this year so far up to a certain point. Uh, but even then, as I said, uh, with Horizon, hasn't been flawless in my personal opinion either. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think it's kind of hovering around that C range for me too. At least Nintendo got stuff coming out later this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. They got something coming at least. It's Microsoft. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. We'll talk about it. Actually, speaking of which... Uh, let's go ahead and round out this segment, Pablo, with walking through our top three most anticipated games of the rest of the year. Um, Pablo, instead of going round robin here, why don't you just go ahead and walk us through all three of your games from three up to one, and then I'll tag in after you with mine. Yeah, my number three is uh, Somerville. Uh, it's a game that we've seen a, a few times in the Xbox Showcase uh, done by Jump Ship, which is, you know, one of the guys, I forget his name, Chris, I think Chris something, or David Platt, I forget. Uh, with, they were with the people who made Ins, uh, Inside and, and uh, what was the Limbo. other one? Limbo. Um, Limbo, you know, well-received, really stylistic side-scrolling type of games uh this is another one of those think about limbo think about uh uh think about inside and you'll kind of get the same idea uh you know but it's a lot of interesting stuff there seems to be a a family dynamic to it uh alien invasion type of stuff it looks really really dope everything they've showed about this game has been absolutely astonishing and i'm really looking forward to it i'm a little scared because of everything that i've seen in the past with trek to yomi all these games that are indie games that are supposed to be badass and Xbox is getting behind it. I'm like, is this another it's one the of those? Or are they death, finally going to get that hit? Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it isn't quite Dead Labs. Is it Dead Labs? I think, yeah, th- that, that studio that made these games. It isn't quite them. It's a whole different studio. But I'm going to go ahead and trust that this game is going to be great. And so I am really looking forward to it. I hope it, it hits. Uh, so, yeah, Summerville is my number three. My number two is a game that I'm. they say it's coming out this year. <laughs> I don't know that's the case, but it's Bayonetta 3. Yeah, Bayonetta is is 
the best Bayonetta 2 is the best action game probably of all time third person uh, uh, action game of all time I love Bayonetta 2 uh, I love that story and I'm looking forward to see uh, more of that and I, I I have my trepidations with Bayonetta 3 in terms of performance on a Switch uh, console but you know if they're confident enough in, in doing this game specifically for that I think Platinum Games can pull it off uh, even if they have to cut some edges on the visual stuff but I think with the art style that we've seen I think that they, they, they've done enough here to, to kind of warrant my hype level at number at number two uh my number one uh is no surprise to anybody um it's kind of war ragnarok i mean that is the most anticipated game of this year uh for if you like video games you got to be looking forward to that game you know everything that got award 2018 did uh was awesome i love that game to death I'm, I'm looking forward to actually playing that as soon as i'm done uh getting through some of the games that i have right now uh, uh anyway I, I forgot the game that I'm playing because that's what I do. I just forget <laughs> games. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to replay that because I'm really looking forward to what Ragnarok is going to do. I really hope that it doesn't fall in the same kind of camp with Horizon Forbidden West where um, they don't do much difference uh, trying to kind of replicate the success of one. I, I don't think that that, that that writing team is way too talented to do that. They've taken enough time between those games to really kind of seem like they, they had an idea and they're rolling with it. And I think... You know, with the 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 kind of cliffhanger with one with Thor and and, and uh, Odin and all those things finally coming into play, I think that we're really going to finally see the 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 mystery of who his son is and all that kind of really play out uh, in a way that's that that hopefully is satisfactory. But I mean, even if it's not, um, even if it's not as 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 good as I want it to be. This game is going to be of quality. It's just the, the pedigree is too strong with this with, with this uh, with this team in this game. So yeah, God of War Ragnarok, my number one most anticipated game of what's left of 2022. It's interesting, man, because our lists are are different, but they're the same in a sense. If we have one indie, we have one Nintendo game, and and then we have yeah. the same number one. <laughs> so let me run through mine. And one Nintendo game that's also the third in in the franchise. <laughs> let me run through mine. Uh, my number three game is Stray. Um, this one, I, I don't think it's getting enough buzz, um, but I have been, I don't know what it is about this game, uh, that, that, that caught me, man. It's just, it just looks so dope. And I'm not one of those goofballs like, well, you get to play as a kitty cat. I'm in. I hate, I hate stuff like that. I, I really like it. You hate animals. Yeah. I really, <laughs> I, you know, I don't like animals or happiness. Um, <laughs> No, I I really think this looks cool. I really love the way the world looks. I love the concept of the cat and and just the way that they utilize that in the gameplay we've seen. I am really, really hoping this is the dark horse of the year for me. Why are you grinning? What? What is it? Because I say you didn't hear me. I said, yeah, because you love pussy. Okay. All right. I I was going to say this game has got some kind of weird catnip over me, but I didn't want to do that. But then you... All right. My number two game, I don't even... I'm nasty. I don't want to do this no more. My number two <laughs> is Splatoon 3. Um, I love Splatoon, man. Splatoon is my yeah. crack cocaine heron in my veins. Uh, all blended up with ink in it. Ooh. And it's just, Healthy. how's that for a visual? Um, I love this game. I love this series. I, I from From moment number one, finding out this was coming out this year, I'm like, oh my God, yes. I... I I cannot wait to play this game. Um, Splatoon is just such a, a, in the same spirit as a Mario Kart in a way. It is that that harmless fun. It is it is not 
annoyingly competitive. It is not sweaty or try hard. Um, obviously, there are people that play like that, of course, but it is predicated. We tried playing Splatoon two recently, and we oh yeah, I mean all the only people that are left there are 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 the sweats. So it's bad, but. Yeah. When you get in in the beginning, it is so much fun, and um, it, the game is inoffensive in its in its approach. It is accessible for everybody, um, and it is brilliant to this day in its design. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it. three has all the makings of being a truly, truly fun uh, and an exciting sequel for me to keep in my rotation as my big multiplayer game this year. Um, so I'm super hyped about that. Uh, but it is not just, my number one. Just so. Just to be, just kind of interrupt real quick. At one time, I had Bayonetta three, uh, Splatoon three, and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three as mm. my most anticipated games because I had kind of forgot about uh, God of War. But Nintendo gonna have a second half, man. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, hard to beat, especially when because uh, they they still have Advance Wars they haven't put out yet because of the whole Ukraine thing. Yeah, they held back on that, so they still have that in the chamber, and who knows what else. Uh, maybe even Mario Rabbits or something like that. We'll see. And the Zelda, and the Zelda. Supposedly they have the uh, Wind Waker H, uh, Wind Waker uh, remasters coming too. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and Nintendo's about to have a pretty good follow, uh, a pretty good end of the year for sure. Um, but they don't have my number one most anticipated game of the year. That is nope. God of War Ragnarok. Why? Because it's Ragnarok. It is the big deal. And. Uh, to name this game Ragnarok means a lot. Um, that means it, the defecation is going to hit the oscillation. Okay. Um, why did you roll your eyes? They didn't have to do that. Um, it is going to be, by all accounts, maybe the most important story that God of War has ever told. Um, because we're going to find out a lot, I think, in my personal prediction world, of what, what Kratos is going to amount to in the end what his son is going to be, what's going to happen in this world, um, and where they go from here for the series. I think this is going to be a very, very interesting turning point for the future of the rebooted God of War storyline um, that I think should be very impactful and, um, of course, probably going to tuck at some heartstrings too because you know how they've been rolling lately. So, I am very excited yeah. about this. Even though I'm not, you know, team God of War 2018 like that. I loved that game. I just didn't, I wasn't in love with it. Um, I think it had some some genuine problems. Um, I think this game will hopefully surpass the first time, uh, the first game and um, set up a really, really cool new path for the future of the series. So yeah. I got it as my number one, man. H- hashtag Kratos is the world stink. I'm sorry. Oh, God. We're not doing that. Uh, we're not serpent. doing that. No. Hashtag Kratos the World Serpent. No, we're not doing conspiracy theory corner of the show. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna roll credits. Tim out, man. Nah. That's going to wrap up this week's show. That's going to shut Pablo up for another week. Until next time, be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We're at Cooldown Time Podcast on IG and on Twitter. We're at Cooldown Time Pods that will always be in your FOV. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Make me feel good.